Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Tuesday, August 5th, 2014. I'm Kitsy Stern, and our show is produced as an act of love and service to the worldwide Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Well, I'm into week three with a new computer, and it's going pretty well. This week we got iTunes sorted out, and I produced the entire podcast on the new Mac. It took so long. It has been interesting for sure to try to be detached and watch how my brain and body reacts to learning all these new skills in such a short amount of time. At times, I haven't been easy to live with, I know that. My husband is the tech guru in this family, and without him it would have been a lot more difficult. I think we're through the worst of the transition, and I'm loving working on the new machine. It's fast, and it's efficient. This week's show picks up pretty much where we left off with Jai Utah last week. The conversation continues with Jai's thoughts on the beginning of Kirtan and his CD, Beggars and Saints. There are also more great insights into our bhakti yoga practice, how it opens up our emotions and helps us to use them to connect with God. Jai tells a wonderful story about his chant Hari Gunagal from his latest CD, Return to Shiva Station, and we learn more about his kirtan camp. It's coming up soon, August 12th to 17th at Harbin Hot Springs in California. So if you like what you hear, go sign up at Jai's website, www.jaiutal.com. Yesterday morning, I got up early to have a conversation with Deva Pramalami 10. They were in Corfu to hold a few workshops and have a vacation before they start a tour next month of North and South America. It was a beautiful conversation, beautiful in so many ways, so heartfelt. Perhaps most moving for me, given what is in the news these days, was their description of singing in Kiev and in Israel and what it was like for them to experience people who perceive themselves as enemies coming together as human beings to sing for peace. It was a beautiful story. You don't want to miss this one. I'll be releasing this sometime around the end of August. We're off to Cape Cod tomorrow, which is a bit of a change. Usually we go in September after Bhakti Fest, but this year we'll be there right at the height of the season, which will be different. I've loaded up a lot of new music, so we'll have a fresh track set soon. I'll try to do it at the Cape and continue that tradition. After the Cape, we'll be back for a few days, and then it's off to Ashland, Oregon for PranaFest. And then after that, BhaktiFest in Joshua Tree. Go check out BhaktiFest's website. Day passes are now on sale for $108. And have you checked out the lineup lately? They've added a few new artists that might be of interest to you. Next time from the Cape, my friends. Until then, namaste. You know, there's many levels of all of this. Yeah. I, I remember, I, it was, I think, 1990, I think that was the date, I put out, or 89 maybe, my album called Beggars and Saints. Now, I would say in retrospect, I won't say that that's my favorite of my albums, but, it, you know, it's one of them, but I would say it was the most, it was at, it was my third album, and it was the one that was completely personal. Mm. and. And since then, they're all been personal and deeper and deeper and deeper. But, you know, I think that one kind of opened the door. Maybe I just felt, um, I don't know, whatever it was inside of me allowed me to express a deeper soul place. In, that has continued. 
So, so, but you know, at the time I was, my father had just died and I, I was, I thought it was the saddest piece of music that had ever been put out into the world. <laughs> When I started singing Kirtan, you know, publicly, I don't know if there was anything else going on. Of course, the Hare Krishnas were out singing Kirtan publicly, but it's a little bit of a different um, yeah. context, I guess you could say. And you know, and when we started Kirtan Camp, there was nothing like that. There was, yeah, there just wasn't. There wasn't anything like that. And and when I started really performing a lot of Kirtan with my band, as I said before, you know, we we were in nightclubs and bars because there was no place else that that we could find any work. There was no support for the growing yoga bhakti community. Um, so at school, it's just like fabulous to see how it's evolved, and it's fabulous to know that I was at the beginning of helping it evolve. <laughs> you know.
I've always felt that that mantra music, you know, it can be happy, it can be sad, it can be everything. It's you know, it expresses all the emotions in our heart, just like the Ramayan does. Ramayan, there's parts of the Ramayana that are so sad, you know, unbelievable, gothic, human pain, mm-hmm. and yet it's framed in a in a much vaster, deeper context. But anyway, so then when I started getting letters from people about how much joy beggars and saints had brought them. I thought, oh, this is something that's really crazy going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it just, you know, then that process began, but, but it took me a while before I could really take in those letters. But, but, you know, one aspect is that whether it's music, whether it's singing, whether it's anything in our life, when we're able to bring a wider emotional spectrum to our path, um, it kind of joy comes. Yeah. You know, joy dis- disappears when we cut parts of ourselves off. And um, what those parts might be anguish, might be despair, might be jealousy, might be, you know, all we have so many emotions and we judge so many of those emotions as being not spiritual or not cool. So we shut them down. And, um, when we're creating art, I feel, you know, we're, we're required 
Uh, I, mean, I shouldn't use no, that No, no. I, I know. I know what you... It, well, we are. We ha, we. It's like our obligation if we've got, if we're an artist, to plumb the depths yeah. and bring it back. And, and express it all, you know, with, with as little inhibition as... And inhibition, you know, it's not like it all has to be exciting, dancing, uninhibited music, but with emotional inhibition. Mm. Of course, you know, that's a lifelong, probably a many lifelong process and journey. But we begin to do that. And it seems that that, um, what's the word, it distills itself into joy. Uh, and that's a, a sort of a um, mystical equation that I, I couldn't begin to exactly understand. How is it that when we allow ourselves to experience our pain, it actually brings us joy? You know, it makes no sense intellectually, but it's just I feel like the broader our our emotional um, expression is, and especially in bhakti, we're we're opening all these emotions up, but we're using them as a connection to God, as fuel for our spirits to 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 connect very personally with God. So, um, hmm. you know, th then we get into the what you would call the magic of these yogas, the, ma the, the, the complete sublime ancient science of, of, of these yogas. And, and, you know, just, just experiencing this, we don't necessarily have to know, you know, how does that work? Well, I don't know. There's probably books about it, but I don't read those kind of books. I just know that it does. And the more I can sing with my heart and my soul and all the corners of my heart, um, and you see me sometimes, sometimes a little psycho, really, on stage, you know, when I'm singing, one moment I can be feeling so happy and joy and, and lighthearted and almost like laughing while I'm singing. And, and literally, like two minutes later, I'm plunged into the most deepest anguish that I've ever felt in my life, and I'm singing that. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's, you know, it's just... <laughs> it, might, it might need to put me in a psych ward, if it, but but when it's expressed through this mantra, these mantras, and through the music that supports and and holds the mantras, you know, it's completely liberating and healing. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've heard it said that the mantras are their medicine, and the music helps it go down. And the mantras liberate us in ways that I, I don't think that we are even able to understand. It just happens, uh, freeing us. Um, I, I, I can't explain it either, but it's, it's intoxicating. And it's, even the bad parts are intoxicating for, yeah. for me. Right? <laughs> well, and and it, it becomes that there are no bad parts. There are parts that are more challenging for sure, you know. I mean, I know when I sing, sometimes I feel complete flow, effortless, complete flow. And sometimes I feel complete blockage. And, and I, I really feel that both of those things are, are being given to me by God, by my guru, as a way to, I, I mean, as a, well, the, the complete flow is given to me as, as a gift. It's just so lovely. It's a gift. But the challenging block, block, blocked moments are given to me in so that my my longing 
for the connection, the fire burns brighter. Uh, you know, that pain of separation is a big part of the bhakti path. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, it's a big part of life, but most of us go through life, and as soon as we feel that that separation from from spirit, where you know you don't not necessarily framed in that way, separate from, separation from oneself, separation from one's beloveds, separation from the flow of life. Well, as soon as we feel that, we we do something to numb that awareness, you know, get drunk or whatever, uh, and that's the way of life for most humans. But in bhakti, we are encouraged to feel it and to really feel it, and 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 then in the experience of that pain of separation, you know, the 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 longing for connection for God uh, increases. So I I feel at those times of Block, blockedness? Is that a word? Blockedness? Block, I don't know. Yeah, I get block. it. Whatever it is. Yeah, the time you're uh, blocked or whatever. Yeah, that's a gift too, though, isn't it? Those are, those are gifts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's like a muscle, the heart muscle. Uh, not the physical heart muscle, but like the spiritual heart muscle has to, has to work harder. And um, then it becomes stronger. That's a really good way of explaining it, isn't it? Sometimes in moments like that, I can feel like my heart just trying to open, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to. Come on. <laughs> and then, then you're like, you know, in the course of one minute, you can try 70,000 different mental uh, strategies for opening the heart, right? Yeah, or, <laughs> not, yeah, or for avoiding it. <laughs> It's like and then finally you sort of let go and you know say okay this is this is a mess it's you know you take over yeah and then it's not like it becomes bliss necessarily but you realize that, well this is just part of the journey right and right it's okay it's more than okay you know how what a blessing to be able to sing God's name in the midst of that kind of inner pain inner anguish and and you know focus from that place you know that's that's it's, it's really great yeah, it is really great, and it can transform experiences that uh, I've talked about this a lot, but it was just so um, pivotal in my practice was my mother's death and being able to come through that with mantra um, and realize that that was um, in the midst of it all. I was her caretaker, and in the midst of it all, to realize that what was happening was there wasn't anything wrong. It was just part of the process, and my job was to just be there for her, just be yeah. there. And be a space where she could be who she needed to be through the process, you know, which was a challenge. But God, what a gift to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah, I had that with, with both my parents. I, I, I have found, particularly recently, you know, with the death of some very close friends, that the process around dying, you know, with all the spiritual training and spiritual practices the process around dying has a lot of richness and beauty the but the experience of loss is so shattering mm. you know I, I the the friends who died i really have such a um such an assurance that that they're fine yeah but uh, but us folks that are left behind missing them that's really hard, and and I guess it's just 
supposed to be hard. I just don't know. Because, you know, some people say, well, let's, you know, it just shows that you're attached and you have to give up attachment. And I don't really see it that way because I, because I just see living life in its fullest is filled with attachment, which is another way of saying interconnectedness. And if we don't feel, yeah, if I didn't care about anybody, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel lost when they died. But I do care and I do love and I am attached and I, and I don't ask God to sever that attachment. But thus, the, the, the loss is very, very hard, you know? Yeah, you know, what it has done for me and it was the gift of the whole experience was to make me realize that um, life is precious and it's short and people that we love can be gone in a heartbeat and that wasn't the case with my mother. I had a long time to say goodbye to her, but it makes me, it has made me appreciate life and has had me try to be present, really present, to, to really enjoy life as it's occurring because um, you never know how long it's, it's going. And, and whatever it transforms to will be fine, but you need to be present in your life with the people that you love. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, so some spiritual paths say all this external wi- world is complete Maya and become disattached from it and only go to the inner world to God. And some say that all this external world is an expression of God. Mm-hmm. And, and we must love it. We must engage with it. We must be of service as much as we can we must remember that it's an expression of God so not be completely caught up in uh, misunderstanding but 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 that doesn't but to see it as God to see it as effulgent everything is one of the forms of God Maharaji said the only thing that's important is how much you love God and someone asked him, well, well, you know, what, what does that mean? What's the best form to worship God? And Maharaji answered that the best form to worship God is every form. And so, you know, that is a complete engagement in life because it's all a form of God. Hmm. So, so, you know, of course there's attachment, of course there's loss there's there's all those emotions and you know if uh, the the challenge is to to remember that that there's that, that it is all spirit that it is all rama that it is all krishna um but you know it's always a two step forward one step backwards deal we remember and then we forget then we remember then we forget we remember then we forget and 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 how odd it is that our actions in the world might be the same during moments of remembrance as they are in moments of forgetfulness, and yet our underlying intention can become di- can be different. Ah, oh, that's that's yeah, that's a that's a great way to look at it. Um, that we can be carrying on our our you know whatever it is that we need to do in the normal world and still be still be engulfed in that in that realization that it's all god and that it's all part and beautiful of uh, of of the whole 
you know, everything, yeah. everything that you're doing and try to bring that awareness to it. And that, that mantra playing in the background in my mind all the time. Um, I, I was thinking of, uh, you, you said at the Denver Chan Festival, <laughs> you didn't want to, at, at one concert, you didn't want you were watching The Wire and, and you didn't want to go somewhere. And Nubia said to you, Jai, you must have been really bad <laughs> in a former life. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you have to sing to God all the time. <laughs> I thought that was just, it was just great. It was one of those human moments, you know, that just, it was, oh God, that's so, that's so funny. But, you know, I think of that because, like, I must have been really bad in a former life because now I have to listen to Kirtan all the time. <laughs> yeah. But but it's, but, but it's it, not like it's a punishment. It's no. like, okay, you need this healing. Yes. And, and God is going to make you have yes, it. Yes. Uh, because your own mind will figure out a way to make you not have it. No right? kidding. <laughs> yeah. And we still keep trying to wiggle out of it, right? You know, it's like, oh, God. You know, I mean, it brings me so much joy in that yet there's this, you know, well, I want to watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a song on my on my new album. Uh, you have Return to Shiva Station, mm-hmm. right? The song Hari Guna Gao. The words are based on a song from the Battles of Bengal, this, this wandering sect of mad bhakta musicians. And the full the full words, I don't sing them all in this version. In the in the original um, Shiva Station, I I sang the whole verse, and it goes like this. Uh, the in the translation, it says. Through my guru's grace, my father planted his seed in my mother's field, and I was born. And I lived my life in unconsciousness, and now I find myself in a boat going across a a muddy river. And the boat is filled with holes, and the water is, is filling the boat, and I'm sinking. Now, I know that by singing of the qualities, the glories of Radha and Krishna, the, the holes in the boat will instantly be sealed and I won't drown. But, but for some reason, I'm not doing it. And, and, and the singer says, oh, my crazy mind, why don't you sing Hari Guna Gao? Why don't you sing of the, of the glories of the qualities of God, of Hari? When you, but, but you're not doing it and you're going to drown. And so, you know, it's that, it's that and that's the, you know to put that in a song is like so amazing. I don't I wouldn't know how to ex- express that. But but that thing where where we know what's going to save us, and yet we continue to do what's going to destroy us. Um, yeah. And and but we're also aware of it, which puts us in this divinely painful place. Hari <laughs> gunagal. <laughs> Hari Guna Gao Radha Guna Gao Krishna Guna Gao Hari Guna Gao
So I wanted to share something. Something came into my mind a minute ago. You know Radhanath Swami, of course, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was in Florida. This just in May, the end of May. I was in Florida doing this event, and Radhanath Swami was there. And we, we got to spend some time, just he, he and I, at the beach. And we went swimming in the ocean. And it was so great. We had some really beautiful time. And then at one point, I asked him a question that I had been... You know, it's a question that doesn't have a definitive answer, but it's something, you know, I've been thinking of so much. I said, well, did Rama, the who's the Supreme Lord in human form, did he go through periods of forgetting that he was the Supreme Lord? 
uh, in the enactment of his Leela, of his divine play, did he forget who he was? Because uh, there's, you know, there's many sections of the story where you see Rama in complete despair or, or doing something that just seems questionable, like how could he do that if he's God? Stuff like that. And, and I, said, I said, you know, does he forget that he's God? And Radhanath Swami said to me, no, it's like this. You know how sometimes you play with your son and during those times of play, you're completely just his buddy. You're just lost in the play with him. You're his equal. You're his um, peer. You're just having fun as two, you know, two buddies together. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you never forget that you're his father and that you're taking care of him and that you're doing this play for him. And he said, so this is the way it was, or is, I should say, for the avatars. They, they enact these, these leelas where it seems they're acting as a regular human. Well, maybe not regular, but you know, they're acting as a human being forgetful of their divine nature but in reality they never forget and they're doing it number one just to to enjoy the interaction with their devotees in a very juicy way you could say and you know but on a on another level they're doing it for the salvation of us all of us sentient beings and never really forgetting so it, it, it this was this came into my mind, I don't know, just a couple of minutes ago when we were talking about something. <laughs> I don't remember now, Gipsy. But, but I, I thought it was just a very profound thing to just contemplate. And, and it's so true. I mean, I, I, I see it in myself, playing with Ezra. You know, I get lost in playing with him. but not, not, not lost, but, you know, immersed is the better word. I get really immersed in playing with him. And at the same time, I never forget in the back of my heart, mind, soul, that I'm his father and I'm that's my job and that's my, you know, that's my divinely given job, which I take very seriously and with tremendous amount of gratitude.
There, there is just so much to learn about this practice and immersions like this, like your Kirtan camp and Bhakti Fest, of course, but in smaller settings um, to be able to deepen your practice and the stories that you've told. I mean, this is just a, a small taste of, of what you can expect, I would imagine. And it, it feels as though it has like a family sort of feel. Do you have people who, are, who come back? Yeah, always. I'd say that about... At, at least a quarter of every kirtan camp is is repeats people repeating because we all find you know myself included we all find that that the deeper we go the the more deep we want to go and and that one kirtan camp it just touches the surface i mean forget that one lifetime just touches the surface so the things that we discover in our lives that that really help us go deeper into devotion into bhakti we want to do them again so i'm i'm happy and thrilled you know to see third or fourth timers come it's really it's really great and um i love kirtan camp uh i find that every year for some reason that i can't really put my finger on it becomes richer and deeper more fun and more more um just more amazing and and I just can only thank my guru for that because I I can't see that it's coming from me um, 
Well, you know, maybe partially it's coming from the, from the, whole, the fact that the whole community of, of, of bhakti, of kirtan in the, in the West, is deepening and is expanding. Sita Ram 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 Jai Sita Ram Sita Ram 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 Sita Just, you know, just as a reminder just like to everyone who's listening, I would say that everything we spoke about today in our and you're in my conversation, they're all subjects that we get into at Kirtan Camp. So, you know, in a funny kind of way, this is sort of a little sampler. <laughs> but we do a lot, a lot of singing, and so it's all framed and held by, by the singing. Tell me how you sign up. Okay. Well, I, I guess the easiest thing would be to, to uh, just go to my website, which is jaiutal.com. It couldn't be easier than that. And, uh, you know, you can read about the Kirtan Camp, and, and there's a place there which says to register, and it's got an email address, which is actually my wife's email address because she, um, you know, she kind of uh, administers the whole thing, Nubia Teixeira. Yeah. Or if that's too complicated, just send me an email to jayutal at gmail.com and I will forward it to Nubia. And, um, you know, it's coming up pretty soon. I don't think we gave the dates at all. Did oh, we? no, we didn't. It's, it's um, August 12th. It starts August 12th to the 17th yeah, at Harbin so Hot Springs in Middletown, California. 
And there's still some places. So, so if you're, if anyone in the audience and the listening audience is interested, please, please jump on it. Um, if it's coming too soon, then think about our winter camp in Costa Rica. We do the same things in the winter and the summer camp. There's a slightly uh, different mood comes this because in the winter it's sort of like a, you know, a tropical vacation. Mm-hmm. But but basically it's the same program, if I may use that word. Um, and that is December 27th or 28th. My goodness, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, and we go over New Year's and that's at Blue Spirit. It's just a, a heavenly place. But you can find out more about that also on my website, which is jayutal.com. And for that one, I would say, if you're interested, people should sign up very soon. It fills up. And also, the plane tickets to get to Costa Rica, you know, when you, if you wait till the last minute, that becomes a little expensive. Yes, Whereas yes. Whereas if you make your arrangements now, it's fine. And... This has been really just a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for for coming on and telling us stories and telling us about the camp. And it's always just such a delight to talk to you. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Okay, Jai, thanks again. Take care. You too, Kitsy. Bye-bye.
Hare Hare 